We don't care how you got here. We're just glad you showed up. You're listening to Voice America Kids. Stars could shine between the lines If you would let yourself go Find some place you know You can use your words, use your hands You can change the world, just pretend Express yourself, take a chance and you'll see It's time to express yourself, where teens talk and the world listens. Presented by Star Style Productions as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. You'll rock to an hour of adolescent fusion with your teen hosts and on-air reporters. Meet and chat with cool celebrities, exhilarating experts, and tenacious teens with subjects regarding anything and everything that you want to know. It's time to kick off the fun with our star teens. Welcome to Express Yourself. I have a dream that my four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. And that quote is, of course, from Martin Luther King Jr. in his famous 1963 I Have a Dream speech. And just one more little quote about equality, since there's so many great ones out there. There cannot be enduring peace, prosperity, equality, and brotherhood in this world if our aims are so separate and divergent. If we do not accept that in the end, we are people, all alike, sharing the earth among ourselves and also with other sentient beings, all of whom have an equal role and stake in the state of this planet and its players. And that quote is from the King of Bhutan. Hello and welcome to Express Yourself. We're a program by, for, and with creative young people, a platform to give teens a voice right here on the Voice America Kids Network. I'm Joven Hundle, and today's theme is the gift of equality. Express Yourself is produced by Star Style Productions and brought to you as an outreach service of the Be The Star You Are charity, a top nonprofit honored by GuideStar and great nonprofits. Please visit www.bethestarur.org to make a tax-deductible donation and get more information about how you too can be a part of our mission to increase literacy and positive message media. Additionally, uh, one of those missions is that Be The Star now needs your donations to help us help those in distress by providing books and other resources to people in need. Please donate today at www.bethestarur.org, and you can even donate through PayPal Giving Fund with no additional fees. Today, we will be beginning with a chapter from the forthcoming book, Be The Star You Are, Millennials to Boomers, Celebrating, cele- sorry, celebrating Gifts of Positive Voices in a Changing Digital World. This chapter, entitled The Gift of Equality, is written by one of our very own, Zara Hassanine. At the time Zara wrote this chapter, she was a junior in high school. She edits the official publication of the California Junior Classical League, is a winner of many state and national awards in Latin, and is the president of multiple social justice organizations at her school. She's also a proud host and one of our favorites here at Express Yourself. Sadly, she was not able to appear on the show today, but her chapter will be read in her stead. And with that, let's jump right into the chapter. The Gift of Equality by Zara Hassanine. Any instance of inequality is worth writing about, sighing about, crying about, even laughing about. The collective conscious of the human race is asleep until people force its eyes open, refusing to let them escape into dreams of a better world until they can confront and cure the injustices of this one. I always thought this forceful recognition and correction of the inequalities of our society could only be accomplished if the inequality was made personal. I thought that people only became passionate about fixing inequalities when they or someone close to them experienced those inequalities on a daily basis. Yet, when I read the poem Merry-Go-Round by Langston Hughes, I realized that we often take equality for granted because our personal experiences don't match up with another unique individual's. Some inequalities will never be the personal for certain people or groups of people, but this shouldn't make us blind to the plight of others. I can't count how many bigoted comments I've heard in the past week, and sometimes I don't even remember how those comments made me feel. But I remember exactly how I felt as soon as I read that Langston Hughes poem. In the poem, an African-American child goes to a carnival, And before she hops onto the carousel, like any other kid, she asks where the back of the ride is. She looks for the colored section, but notices that there is no back to a merry-go-round. Yet even in the last lines of the poem, 
This fact isn't comforting to her. It's just confusing because the racial inequality she's faced has deprived her of the carefree childhood she should have had. The reason this particular poem was so riveting was that it evoked another famous image in my head. It was the image of Phoebe, Holden's little sister in Catcher in the Rye by J.D. Selinger. In the last scene of the book, Holden watches Phoebe riding a carousel, without a care, reaching for a golden ring above her horse. He says her innocence makes him happy. The scene used to make me happy too, because Phoebe was reaching out for hope. I was convinced that anyone could get on the carousel of life, reach out like Phoebe, and maybe grab something golden for themselves. But then I read Merry-Go-Round, and I realized that it's not that simple. An African-American kid couldn't just sit down on the carousel untroubled, much less have the opportunity to reach for something wondrous. From childhood, life deals out privileges unequally. I started thinking about why some people get so defensive at the notion that we're still fighting for equality. And then I thought of a quote by an unknown author that's been circling the internet for some time. When you're accustomed to privilege, equality feels like oppression. Sometimes we're all completely unaware of how much privilege we really have until a piece of literature or a story of some kind jerks us into the harsh reality that inequality creates. That's the reason I'll never look at a carousel the same way, even if I sincerely want to. Making the comparison between the African-American child and Phoebe also made me think about what the modern equivalent of the carousel inequality would be. There is no more Jim Crow, but we're still reminded of inequality with every video of an unarmed black person being shot, every headline reporting a hate crime, and perhaps with every line of a history textbook that seems to skew the story in favor of privileged groups. We're reminded of inequality with every ignorant comment that goes unnoticed, every patronizing word that's supposedly just a joke, and every glare of disapproval that's an inevitable reaction to challenging inequality. But there's also so much to remind us of why we need to keep the dream of equality alive. I'm reminded of the greatness of equality every time I read a successful immigrant story, every time I overhear two incredibly different people laughing together, and every time I think of the American dream. I remember immediately losing faith in the American dream, the one of equality and opportunity when I read Hughes's poem. Just as quickly, I realized that the poem was important because it was a push towards equality, not just a sorrowful cry bemoaning inequality. I thought of the African-American child writing the merry-go-round without asking concerned questions, but with Phoebe, and that made me happy again. That restored my faith in the power of the gift of equality. And Zora has also included a small little exercise in addition to the chapter called Liftoff. Be conscious of your privileges and how you can use them to lift others up and create a more equal society. And the ways you can do this is, number one, read a book or a poem about some sort of inequality. Equality will seem much more like a universal human goal rather than an individual one if you do this. Number two, start a club on campus advocating for social justice. Pick an issue you think you can fix with more equality and start by having discussions about what that equality looks like and how it might fix the situation. Starting a dialogue is movement forward and a good start to making change. Number three, keep having uncomfortable conversations. They might be controversial, but they're often the only way you learn about the experiences of others and unite with others to achieve equality. And finally, number four, celebrate the achievements of underrepresented groups. This will give you a greater appreciation for equality and also give you hope that inequality isn't dominating the world narrative. And one final parting thought from Zara from this chapter is a repetition of the earlier mentioned quote. When you're accustomed to privilege, equality feels like oppression. And this cannot, we cannot find the, the person to attribute with to this quote. And so, wow, I thought this was a very well-written chapter by Zara. You know, it tackled a lot of different themes regarding equality and inequality. And one of my favorite ones was when it was just talking about the innocence of the character from Catcher in a Rye riding a carousel without a care. And then the chapter ended talking about how Zara hopes that one day she can see that African-American child riding the merry-go-round with Phoebe and with, with neither of them having a care in the world. I think it's an interesting idea then to talk about 
how, you know, racism or inequality or any of that, none of that's inherent within all of us. Racism and inequality and discrimination, segregation, all of that, it's all taught to us. There's so many pictures out there of different colored children playing together, all having equally good amounts of fun. And it just is really sad to me when you think about how then if any of these babies do grow up to not be exhibiting equality in the way that they should, it's sad to think about how this was then taught to them that it wasn't something inherent within them. Because inherently, we all do want equality. It's the inequality that has to be taught to us. And so, <laughs> um, another thing that I want to talk about is that Zara suggested that in, in you, you, the exercise titled Liftoff, that you can start a club on campus advocating for social justice or read a book or poem about some sort of inequality. And so, I love this idea. And it was interesting to me because just earlier this year, in my junior year, uh, my English teacher had given us a project uh, sort of along the same lines where we were supposed to choose any sort of social justice issue that really appealed to us, something that we thought needs to be fixed. And we spent months researching this topic, writing essays that were both metaphorical, that were literal. We had some research essays. We had some more, um, you know, literature-based essays. Um, and so we started thinking about how these sorts of social justice issues can be fixed. We started thinking about who can fix these issues. And it was a really interesting little project then because it really taught us about how us as teenagers, how we really can start working towards a better world. And then one final thought that I wanted to bring up, I did love how in the chapter... Uh, Zara talked about, you know, the American dream. So something that really makes her happy is that, you know, the American dream being one of equality and opportunity, but she loses faith in it when she reads Hughes's poem. And so, you know, this really jumped out to me because I recently watched a stand-up special by an Indian-American comedian named Hassan Minaj. And in his special, he had this one small excerpt that really jumped out at me. It was talking about how his father, who's the immigrant, Hassan was born here in the United States, said that he was perfectly content with settling for racism as long as it meant that he could stay in America. And so Hassan talked about how hearing his father say this was very impactful to him on a as a child. And he started thinking about, you know, the generational gap and how, you know, we sort of get progress over time. So although his father may not have necessarily been in the right for not wanting to fight injustice anymore, it was not necessarily something that couldn't be fixed. Now Hassan himself is fighting for equality. And so, yeah, I just thought that was an interesting little food for thought kind of thing. And I, wanted to, I thought it would be very applicable here. And so I want to thank Zara so much for this wonderful chapter about equality. Unfortunately, we are out of time for this segment. Uh, but listeners, be sure to support our show and these amazing segments by donating to the Be The Star You Are charity that brings you this program. We have lots of fun events coming up, so be, be sure to check out www.bethestarur.org and follow our blog. A shout out of gratitude to Mike Overbrew Construction, who is sponsoring our booth at the Moraga Fair. Be The Star You Are founder and our awesome Express Yourself producer, Cynthia Bryan, has also just authored a brand new book, Growing with the Goddess Gardener. It's now available at www.cynthiabryan.com online hyphen store. And 25% of the proceeds benefit Be The Star You Are and Express Yourself. Make sure to also watch our fun and informative videos at youtube.com slash Be The Star You Are. And I'm Joven Hundle, and make sure to keep listening as we discuss the gift of equality. Are you a teen interested in becoming a radio personality? The Positive Message Outreach Program of Be The Star You Are Charity trains dedicated young people to be reporters and hosts on Express Yourself Teen Radio. Visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com for information. That's ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Don't forget to tune in to Express Yourself Tuesdays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Kids, where teens talk and the world listens. Sometimes we may sound strange, but remember, we're just kids with opinions. You're listening to Voice America Kids. 
You're listening to Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids channel, where teens talk and the world listens. Express Yourself is produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Now, back to our star teens. Welcome back to our uplifting and inspiring program. I'm Jovan Hundel, and you are listening to Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids Network, which is brought to you by the Be The Star You Are charity. Today's show is centered around the gift of equality. On the show with us today for this segment is an incredible guest, author Mary DeMocker. Mary DeMocker uses the art to fight for a livable planet and is a co-founder of 350.org's Eugene, Oregon chapter. She lives with her family in Eugene and speaks frequently about creative ways to make the world more healthy, just, and fun. She likes to write about conscious parenting and climate activism. Her writing has also appeared in The Sun, EcoWatch, Mothering.com, Spirituality and Health, Organ Quarterly, The Oregonian, and IELTS, which stands for Interdisciplinary Studies in Literature and Environment. And it's a quarterly journal published by the Oxford University Press. Most recently, she wrote the book The Parent's Guide to Climate Revolution, 100 Ways to Build a Fossil-Free Future, Raise Empowered Kids, and Still Get a Good Night's Sleep. And then quickly here, one review of her book said that, quote, one question I get asked often is, should I even bring a child into this world? I usually reply yes, and I'll do so with more confidence now that I know I can hand new parents this fine book. There's no guarantee that we'll be able to head off dramatic climate change. But there is a guarantee that the fight against it will build better communities and better, happier, more connected kids. So read on. And that review was from Bill McKibben, author of The End of Nature and co-founder of 350.org. Mary's website can be found at www.marydemocker.com. Democker is spelled D-E-M-O-C-K-E-R. Her Twitter handle is at Democker. And her Facebook can be found at facebook.com slash Mary period Democker. We're extremely excited to have her here today and are looking forward to learning more about her work. Hi, Mary. Hi, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing awesome. I'm really happy we have you on the show today. And I'm so, so just, happy to be here. Yeah, well, definitely. And just diving right in, I want to ask, so your book is called The Parent's Guide to the Climate Revolution. So what exactly is climate revolution? Well, to me, climate revolution is anything that says yes to a positive future for everyone, yes to good climate policy. And and what we're, we're struggling with right now is that there's so much poor climate policy in the U.S. So the climate revolution is changing from that system where we're dependent on fossil fuels to a system where we're using clean and renewable energy sources. Wow, that's a really great message to be putting out there. You know, now where climate change is denied by a large section of the populace, where there's not enough money in some places to deal with it, you know, institutional change, where government legislation, that sort of thing, it's really hard to get that past about climate change. What I like is that your book is, you know, focusing on more of an individual level and with parents and kids. And so, you know, we can make the most change there. So I like how your book is focusing on that. And so I want to ask then, so is your book about helping people shrink their carbon footprints, helping them become more green? How exactly does it help them uh, be more, be friendlier to the environment? Well, actually, it's really not about shrinking our, our personal carbon footprints because I came to the clear realization with my own family that all of the things that we were doing, bicycling and recycling and um, trying to go zero waste, all of those things were really great to do and they, they felt good on the family level, but they really weren't adding up on the individual level to anything that was going to actually get us out of this emergency. And so my book does have some of those suggestions in it for families, and I try to focus on some that are a little less well-known. But for the most part, this book is about changing our system, not just changing our light bulbs. That's really good to hear. And so... You know, I do think that you bring up a good point when you talk about, you know, a lot of the stuff that people currently do, you know, it doesn't necessarily add up to that much. I think a lot of times it sort of feels like a placebo. You know, people think that they're doing all these great things to help the environment. And, you know, they are great things. They do 
slightly help the environment. And also on a personal level, we'll be healthier. But if we bike everywhere, um, maybe decrease costs, that sort of things. But overall, in the grand scheme of things, it feels like a placebo then because we think we're doing so much. And then so we kind of get a little less motivated to do more. And so I like how your book is showing us that we really should be doing more and you're teaching us how to do it. And so as a, you know, youth-oriented, teen-oriented show, I'd like to ask, so why exactly are you bringing the message about system change to young people specifically, as well as their parents? Yeah, and that's a great question. You know, young people are the most impacted group by our generation's trashing of the climate. And I feel like it's up to adults right now, the people who are in power, who are making the laws, to reverse course as quickly and as as boldly as we can. But I also think that in order to do that successfully, we're going to need to hear from a lot of young people. More than ever now, the world needs to hear young people's voices because your generation faces so many debts that our our generation and your elders are passing on to you. And, And by that, I mean not just the carbon debt, you know, this legacy load that we've put into the atmosphere over the last 100 years, but but especially in the last 50 years, but also student debt for college and the, and the national debt that's racking up. And what I think young people really might want to understand is how much the Trump administration in particular is speeding up the growth on all of those debts. And that's really a human rights issue because those those debts can essentially enslave the next generation in, 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 in ways that are really going to, to um, make you have less high quality of life and, and less safety in the future. So what I consider happening now in the climate crisis in particular is an unprecedented, really a betrayal of young people by the, the generation that's in power. And so I'm, I'm bringing this message to families, but I'm also bringing it to young people to say, your generation is inheriting an incredible amount of duress. And right now, there's still an opportunity to turn that around, but we need you to jump on board with this fight. Definitely. I think that's a very awesome message to be uh, putting out there. And I think it's especially topical at a time like today, where, you know, after the Parkland shooting, there were teen demonstrations, there were school walkouts, there was a March for Our Lives, where we saw record numbers of teen involvement. And with even more record teen turnout anticipated for the 2018 midterm elections, you know, midterms, that's not where we usually see teens um, heading out to the polls. I think your book comes at a very interesting time because I think we are seeing teens becoming more involved. You know, as teens mature to adulthood, it seems like a lot of them are also maturing to their, I guess, political adulthood, activism, adulthood. And yeah, I think your book comes at a perfect time. And so I wanted to ask them, so when you're targeting kids slash teenagers or when you're talking when you're targeting parents how exactly does your message change well i think that's a good question i think what i'm asking adults to do is to take responsibility for what's happening right now on our watch that means I think, I think I'm trying to address um, sometimes this idea that I hear many of my friends saying, other, other people my age, you know, that are, that are um, in the middle of their lives, saying, well, we're, we're going to raise a generation of young people that's going to be able to handle all of the crises that are, that are coming down the pike now. And what I say is you don't get to do that, actually. You don't get to, to pass the buck on to the next generation. It's up to us right now to turn things around because this right now in the next few years is when the window of opportunity is shrinking and, and that window will close. So that's one message to adults is it's on our watch, it's our job, and we have to do it now. For young people, I have a different message, which is that I want people to understand, who are, who are, who are the young people to understand, that our generation of parents will pretty much do anything for you. And I, I know that over the years, my own mother has often said, well, you're, you, 
your generation parents really differently than we do, than she did. And people often criticize our generation of parents as helicopter moms or helicopter parents. And the irony is that we're doing so much more for our children and we're, we're here supporting and we're more connected in many ways than we were in generations past. And yet we are letting slip the most important aspect of long-term health for our children and that's the safety of the climate. So I'm trying to call parents' attention to the climate emergency, but I'm also trying to let young people know that they have an ally in their, their parent and their mother or father in their extended family that they might not realize they have. I, I guess what I'm trying to say is that we will do anything for you, but I think you guys might do well to ask us for help on this front. So look to our, our generation of parents as people that want to help you speak out in public and people that want to help you um, get your voices heard around any issue, whether it's around gun safety or whether it's about the long-term safety of your of your planet, and whether you'll actually be able to make a living on it in 50 years or or not. Wow, I think that's a wonderful approach to be taking, and I definitely applaud your efforts. You know, it really is a pivotal time in our democracy, in our entire nation, in our entire world where, you know, the system has failed teens and it's also failed parents. The future really will be, you know, disastrous if we don't start making changes now. And I think another reason why I think your book definitely comes at a pivotal time is just because, you know, for decades there's been that whole argument that climate change, we're not going to see all the effects of it in our lifetime, that it's not going to change all that much. But I think you know, whether it's the California wildfire season last year, whether it's the Great Barrier Reef in Australia being deemed that it won't be able to be fully saved ever. I think we are starting to see the effects of climate change more and more, and we're going to be continuing to see that. So I think your book, again, definitely comes at a pivotal time. So thank you so much, Mary, for an incredible conversation. Unfortunately, we are out of time for this segment, but we will be continuing our conversation in the next portion of the show. Audience, make sure to learn about Mary and her work at her website, which is again www.marydemacher.com. Make sure to also visit our radio site at expressyourselfteenradio.com for photos, descriptions, links, blogs, and more. Additionally, if you're a fan of baseball and live in Northern California, Be the Starry War has been chosen as the nonprofit of the night for the June 15th baseball game between the Oakland A's and the Los Angeles Angels. Tickets are tax deductible and discounted to only $32 for second tier field seats. Please visit our charity site at the be the website, at, sorry, be the slash events to buy your tickets today. We're also selling raffle tickets for $5 each for two individuals to win a field visit to watch batting practice and meet the players on a different day. And two lucky pairs will each win this awesome opportunity. Once again, head on over to bethestarur.org slash events for more information. I'm Jovan Hundle, and stay right here with us as we continue our discussion on the gift of equality. Show the world your smile. Be the star you are. If you are ready to be inspired, energized, and edutained, you've come to the right place with our two life-changing programs at BeTheStarYouAreRadio.com. Live every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's our lifestyle show, Star Style, Be The Star You Are, with hosts Cynthia Bryan and Heather Brittany. On Tuesdays at noon Pacific, Teens Talk and the World Listens on Express Yourself Teen Radio on Voice America Kids. Come play with us at BeTheStarYouAreRadio.com. We didn't invent Kid Talk. We perfected it. And at a very young age, you're listening to Voice America Kids. You're listening to Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids channel, where teens talk and the world listens. Express Yourself is produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. 
For more information about our show, visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Now, back to our star teens. Thank you for staying with us here at Voice America Kids. I'm Jolyn Hundle, and our program is Express Yourself giving youth across the world a voice to be listened to. For this edition of Express Yourself, we're continuing our hour on the gift of equality. Back on the show with us is Mary DeMalker, author of the new book, The Parent's Guide to Climate Revolution, 100 Ways to Build a Fossil-Free Future, Raise Empowered Kids, and Still Get a Good Night's Sleep. DeMalker says that most parents, when it comes to their own kids, know how to close down an out-of-control party. They assert authority, they shut off the tap, make everyone clean up and go home, and make new rules to avoid a repeat. We should have done this decisively when we found out in 1988 that burning coal, oil, and gas was cooking our planet. Instead, we let the party continue. We've been permissive with Uncle Sam and Exxon for way too long, and things have gotten so far out of hand that we're facing our own, or worse, our children's annihilation. What's required is full-scale climate revolution. Uh, the climate revolution is about behaving like mature global citizens, Demacher continues. To do this, we can embrace the technology that the author and the book's foreword writer Bill McKibben says we need most badly. The technology of community. Technology about how to cooperate to get things done. So starting with a project on her own front lawn to protest proposed fracking in Oregon, Demacher's project united her neighborhood, gave attention to the issue, brought in young children who helped with postcards, and teenagers who drew social media attention. It made the news. Their families and friends showed up to cheer them on and left with a sense of optimism. And then parents came and asked, do you have a list of 10 things I can do? The list grew into her new book, which offers 10 times the number of things families can do to grow closer and revolutionize. And it's a menu of possibilities, not a to-do list that no single human being, much less a busy parent, could accomplish. It is my hope that you will join the climate revolution and share word of this vitally important book and read Mary DeMocker's new book, The Parent's Guide to Climate Revolution. And with that, let's welcome Mary back onto the show. Hi, Mary. Hi, how are you doing? I'm doing awesome. I'm really, I really was loving the conversation we're having in the last segment, and I'm excited to continue that here. And so I want to just... Yeah, definitely. And I want to just, um, you know, jump right back in. So you wrote that we inhabit more climates than just our atmosphere, including the climate of our schools. And so can you elaborate a little bit on that, given the current youth uprisings against gun violence in our schools? Yes, I want to say that when I talk about multiple climates, I'm I'm talking about the climate of our individual body and its health and the climate of our homes and our relationships and, and our neighborhoods and schools and workplaces. And and I'm also talking about the, the environment of our national politics and culture. We have a right to feel safe within each of those climates, which means a right to a harassment-free workplace, to good health care, safe shelter, school days that have no bullying and no shootings, and freedom from racism and oppression in our own communities. But we also have a right to healthy air, soil, and water. And all all present and future generations really have a right to a livable planet. So that's what I'm fighting for, is for us to think about how all of these climates are interrelated and how all of them are deeply threatened now, particularly by the policies of our own government in the United States. Wow, that was an awesome answer. You know, I think you're the perfect guest to have had on for our Gift of Equality show. Just because, you know, when we think of corporations polluting and destroying the environment, when we think of governments unwilling to act on this, sometimes in the pockets of those corporations, you know, that's inequality at its finest. These few people are taking universal resources, air, water, everything like that, and using it for their own benefit, so we don't all have the same equal access that we should. Yes, that's true, and that's that's true right now on the on the whole planet, where we have the West, uh, the developed world, is using up way more of its share of resources, and it's dumping the pollution and and the long-term climate effects that are falling more disproportionately on to people in in Asia and people in in Africa and places in the world where there's far less capacity to deal with these intensifying storms than we have here in the U.S. So it's an unbelievably unjust situation on a global level. And I also want to say that it's unjust over time because my kids, your generation, 
you're going to have to deal with much more intense um, impacts, climate chaos in, in your lifetimes. And that's um, what uh, David Suzuki, who's an author from Canada, calls an intergenerational crime. Wow, that's a very interesting little coin of a phrase there that I'm going to have to keep in mind. Um, and so I kind of wanted to ask you about something similar. So how might adults and young people work together better across the generations? I think that's really the key way that we're going to get out of this crisis. The first way would be to start thinking strategically about what each of those two groups have to offer. So adults bring experience and money, and and they bring connections to the power structure. I didn't know the mayor of my town when I was a teenager, but I am friends with the mayor of my town now. And, And that is partly what allows me to invite her to some of our events where she's been a really good ally. So adults bring that kind of expertise and power, but young people bring kind of the secret sauce, the energy, the creativity. They also bring an ease with social media and they bring their moral authority. And that's really the most important thing in the climate conversation because nobody can argue with a young person who's asking for their right to a planet that will will help them survive. Wow, yeah, I completely agree. Um, and so in regards to that, to that end, so how exactly can young people sort of be the change in the world? So how can they work positively uh, even now so that their future, you know, won't be as devastating? Yes, I think... One of the ways that we can be the change is, first of all, just to understand that, that our, your future is on the line as never before, but also that we have solutions. We have to implement them now. And that and a key part for young people is to for you to know that we want to hear your voices. So when you speak, the media comes and they listen. When you speak, your parents and your grandparents and your neighbors and your, your medical providers and your school, your uh, administration, they listen much more than they do to us. So I think one thing people that are, or young people need to understand is how much more power you have than perhaps you realize. So one of the things that parents can do working with young people I'm not sure I really answered that very well before when you asked, so I'll try now. So one of the things that families can do together is to confront any new fossil fuel infrastructure that's proposed for where they live. Right now, that's one of the best ways that we can do a frontal attack on on climate changes by shutting down all new fossil fuel infrastructure. And there's a lot of it proposed all over North America, which means there's probably one proposed near your family. And one of the things people are doing is finding out where is a proposed fracking operation. And then they're working with their local grassroots groups to try to stop that and, and let it not let it be. They're looking at where oil trains are coming through the communities. They're looking at where new export terminals are proposed. They're looking at pipelines. All of these things are being proposed for all over the U.S. And that means that communities all over the U.S. and in Canada can actually work locally to stop those projects from being permitted or expanded. So what that means for families they can work at the grassroots level together to engage their neighbors, to engage their community, to engage their schools, and to engage their churches to fight those proposed new fossil fuel projects, coal, oil, and gas, and instead have local investments be turned towards clean and renewable energy. So what that means working together on the grassroots level by supporting those groups, by showing up at at key hearings and at at key protests when those decisions are being made. And that's something parents can do with children and teenagers, young people can do together and have an impact by, for example, making artwork or writing music or making a a, a videotape or a, a YouTube Uh, performance that invites people to come, you know, that really thinks of all of these fights as an opportunity to be creative together, to create community, and to use 
these moments actually, I, I think of them as performance opportunities, as well as opportunities to be creative with my own children. So those, those are just some ideas for directly um, engaging in the, the fossil fuel fight on a local level with our families. Wow, that was an awesome answer. You know, so much of that, I think, uh, is so accessible to people. And I think it will also have the side effect of sort of, you know, depoliticizing climate change. Because, you know, this really is such a universal issue. And so thank you so much, Mary. This has been an awesome conversation. Unfortunately, we are out of time today, though. Uh, audience, make sure to learn more about Mary and her work at her website, www.marydemocker.com, her Twitter at the handle at symbol Demacher, and her Facebook at facebook.com slash mary.demacher. And during the break, be sure to also check out our 501c3 literacy and positive message media charity at bethestarur.org. Be sure to also visit www.expressyourselfteenradio.com for more information about our show. I'm Jovan Handel, and when we come back, we'll be returning to our discussion on the gift of equality. Are you a teen interested in becoming a radio personality? The Positive Message Outreach Program of Be The Star You Are Charity trains dedicated young people to be reporters and hosts on Express Yourself Teen Radio. Visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com for information. That's ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Don't forget to tune in to Express Yourself Tuesdays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Kids, where teens talk and the world listens. longer you listen, the later it gets. You're listening to Voice America Kids. You're listening to Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids channel, where teens talk and the world listens. Express Yourself is produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Now, back to our star teens. Welcome back. Thanks for staying with us here at Voice America Kids. I'm Jovan Hundle on Express Yourself, and today's hour is all about the gift of equality. We're finishing off today's amazing show with another awesome segment about equality. And we have reporter Caitlin Sim with her segment, Ode to Literature. Take it away, Caitlin. Uh, hi, all. This is Caitlin with my segment, Ode to Literature. And today, I'll be talking about um, the role of equality and how people use um, books and literature as a platform to convey a message about society at the time concerning like equality so um imagine you're in a world that's constantly working against you everywhere you turn someone or something is always in your way preventing you from the success and opportunities that you know you deserve i'm pretty sure we've all had this feeling before maybe it was because you didn't quite get that one summer internship or maybe when a judge chose someone else over you in a competition when the choice was clearly very biased. But this was a close reality for many minorities living in um, the 1900s. For both racial and social minorities such as like African Americans or even the widowed unmarried women, Asians, and many, many more, the fights for civil rights was a long and arduous battle. Even with the passing of the 15th and the 19th Amendment in the Constitution that allowed more uh, minorities to participate in politics, inequality in social standings was completely evident. And this social equality is further explored in Harper E. Lee's famous novel To Kill a Mockingbird. Um, This follows a girl named Scout Finch in her coming-of-age story revolving around a court case her father Atticus is participating in. Um, Tom Robinson is accused of assaulting a girl named Mayella Ewell, even though he is innocent and he'll most likely get a guilty verdict simply because he's African-American in 1936 America. Um, On top of this clear inequality between African-Americans and Caucasians, there also existed a different social hierarchy within Caucasians in the town of Monroeville, Alabama. 
People like Atticus Finch and his family were on the upper side of society, while people considered scum like Bob Yule were at the very bottom rung of the social hierarchy. But even someone like Bob Yule, who was considered scum, is shown to be above the most innocent of African-Americans like Tom Robinson. Um... To Kill a Mockingbird was written around a time that the civil rights movement was really beginning to have a voice in uh, mainstream media in 1960 with significant court cases such as the famous 1954 Brown versus uh, the Board of Education that deemed separate but equal schools as inherently unequal. Um, minorities were politically beginning to advance in terms of rights, but the general Um, American mindset would not change for a long time. So um, I first read To Kill a Mockingbird in ninth grade for my um, English 9 class. Um, My teacher had us analyze Atticus Finch's closing argument defending Tom Robinson multiple times because of how powerful it was. It really showed how even a closing argument as powerful as Atticus's couldn't even overturn the inequality that minorities faced at the time. And I but I still think as a society, we've progressed far since Atticus's time, and I'm still excited to see the change we can make in the future. Yeah, for sure. That was a great segment. You know, it's one of my favorite books. I also read it in my English class. And so I wanted to ask you then, so how topical do you think a book like this is for today's world? Um, I think that um, it's definitely still very applicable to today. Because we see a lot of still racial inequalities and injustices, um, especially with the news covering more like uh, police brutality that might have um, undertones of racism and such underneath as well. Um, And even if we've like progressed further, there's like these social inequalities and like authors are still writing about like inequalities, too. It's not just something like from 1960s America Yeah, I definitely agree. And, you know, something else I really love about this novel, then, is that it's such a universal story. So, you know, even though we might not be facing as much wide-scale racial discrimination, you know, you can apply this to gender discrimination. You can apply this to so many other forms Mm -hmm. of discrimination. And so I wanted to ask you, then, so... What were there any, you know, characters in the novel that impressed you with their beliefs, motives, uh, values, and especially the gift of equality like today's show? <laughs> um, I think when I think about it, definitely um, the character Atticus Finch, um, mm. even though technically it could be argued that he wasn't like really for complete desegregation. Ge- desegregation um the fact that he still like chose to defend an african-american man despite all the obstacles against him was um truly incredible he even had the whole town like calling him names and ostracizing him um but he still kept going and even taught his children that they shouldn't be judging others based on like um race or other um aspects and also his closing argument was I think I mentioned this in uh, my opening, but also his closing argument was really good as well. And it just completely blew my mind at how amazing it was. Definitely. I remember um, my English teacher, Atticus Finch is her all-time favorite literary character. (laughs) And I remember, so Ghost at a Watchman, Harper Lee's like sort of first draft for To Go a Mockingbird, but Mm -hmm. she shelved it. And then it was published a few years back after she died. Um, I remember my English teacher being so, so angry about that because it totally changed the character of Atticus Finch and yeah. made him into like a, you know, as, as he said, he wasn't necessarily completely for desegregation, but mm-hmm. it made him into some sort of quasi-racist figure <laughs> and to yeah. hit it up so much. And so I wanted to ask you then, so, you know, I've heard some stories about you know, people wanting to censor this book when it's first published, you know, Mm -hmm. schools and public libraries that should be encouraging all sorts of diverse reading styles and reading programs. uh, They actually tried to censor this book. So Mm -hmm. why do you think these people, you know, then wanted to censor To Kill a Mockingbird? Um, I think that there are definitely reasons that seem justified to many people to censor this book, Um, censor, especially for young kids. Um, Like there's discussion of many difficult topics such as rape and there's a lot of profanity like um, the use of the N-word and um, also like for the time there was like um, like rape was like seen as like a sexuality that was like considered inappropriate for children even in high school and I think 
these are all reasons for censorship. Like it makes people uncomfortable to read or even discuss them. And for young children, these topics, they might even be very disturbing to them. But um, at the same time, I also feel that it's necessary to sh- um, to show exactly how the life was in the South before like the civil rights movement was a huge issue. Um, and it's definitely um, a necessary book. For sure. And so to that end about, you know, just how impactful and necessary it was. So how did To Kill a Mockingbird affect the American public when it was first published? Um, Surprisingly, it was pretty well received um, by the American public. Uh, Many critics uh, praised her ability to culture, to capture this um, culture and the face of the South in a new perspective that wasn't really seen before. Um, most people at the time thought of the South as of Southerners as extremely prejudiced and um, narrow-minded and very overall very backwards in thinking. But as a Caucasian Southern woman, she offered this perspective while also challenging the ideas of racial inequalities. Um, but at the same time, it's interesting to note that uh, many original reviewers, that is those from the 1960s, um, didn't comment on racial themes almost at all in the novel, even though it was such a huge integral part of it. Yeah, yeah, it's very interesting stuff. Uh, so thank you so much, Caitlin, for such an awesome segment. I loved hearing all your different insights about what's one of my favorite books. <laughs> and I think your segment was the perfect way to finish off our Gift of Equality show. Uh, with that, however, it is sadly time to say farewell. We do give our thanks to Star Style Productions, Cynthia Bryan, Be the Star You Are, and our Voice America Kids crew, especially our voice engineer, Josh. Thanks to our guests and reporters from across the world. And of course, thank you to you, our listeners, for making us a top-rated program. You have been listening to Express Yourself, an on-air global community where teens talk and the world listen. Uh, For info on a creative community, charity efforts, and outreach programs, go to our main site at www.bethestarur.org and also www.expressyourselfteenradio.com. This is Joven Hundel, and until next week, remember, be kind, promote equality, and be here. Speak up, speak out, and express yourself. Thanks for joining us this week on Express Yourself, produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, be sure to visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Please join us again next Tuesday at noon Pacific time, 3 p.m. Eastern, when teens talk and the world listens on the Voice America Kids channel. Until then, remember to express yourself. Stars to shine between the lines if you would let yourself.